You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Stacking the Box College Football Edition. I'm your host, Reed Wallach, joined today by my esteemed colleague, Cody Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wallach. You can follow Cody on Twitter at TheSizzle20. We said last week was going to be a, a pretty sick slate of games, yeah. a pretty sick week two of non-conference football, and that lived up to the hype. We're going to get into if Texas is back. We're going to get into if Alabama's toast. We're going to break down everything from that game and really kind of dissect this Heisman Trophy conversation, the college football playoff mm-hmm. conversation. We're also going to preview week three, which a little bit of a deep breath before we get to like a full conference <laughs> slate of games. So nice pacing to start the college football season. Stack in the box. We're here. Cody, how's it going, man? It's going good. Uh, you know, coming off the high of Texas, Alabama and a really great overall week two into this week three slate is a little bit of a bummer, but that's why we're here to, you know, figure out what you can get excited about, you know, hundred percent. And I gotta, I gotta give mention Cody pulls ahead of me in our little pick, pick off. If we want to call it that our little pick extravaganza, Cody, good week last week. He's now 10 and nine in the year. I'm still a little behind schedule eight and 11 overall, but slow and steady wins the race. And honestly, I think it's a good luck. I think it's going to be good luck this week because, you know, I I said it was going to be the big screen debut before it is my dog who's sitting on my lap right now. It's Winston. It's his fifth birthday. Everybody meets Winston here. Maybe a guest picker. Winston, say hello. Say hi, Win. Say hi. Happy birthday, Winston. Mm -hmm. Oh, kissy. Oh, kiss to get us going. All right. So Winston's going to sit here for as long as he feels comfortable. It's his birthday. So he could sit wherever he wants. Um, so we'll see how long he wants to sit here for. Maybe he'll make another appearance during the show. But happy birthday to Winston. And let's also get our listeners a little involved here and get them some free bet credits. Let me tell you yes. about what Points Bet Sportsbook is doing right now. They're running a new betting promo that you, you simply won't want to miss until the end of this week. So by Sunday, new users can sign up at Points Bet and place a $50 bet to get any jersey you want from fanatics.com. Even if that first bet loses, you still will be able to get yourself a new NFL jersey, a new college jersey. This is a college football show. Uh, mm-hmm. But to claim this offer, all you have to do is go to bit.ly, B-I-T L-Y backslash F-S jersey by scanning the QR code on the screen. It's right on the right side of the screen. Or by clicking the link in the description right below you. Sign up for points, but through our link and, to make sh- and that will make sure that you get and receive your jersey credit. Again, that's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash fs jersey 
Remember, this offer is only available until the end of this week. Offer available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in valid gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Again, check the episode description for the full offer terms. I talked about at the beginning, Cody. Texas beats Alabama 34-24. Quinn Ewers, I had my fair share of questions going into the game. Answered the yeah. questions. He did what needed to be done, hit a few deep passes, which he hasn't really shown the capability to do that. But full credit, took the top off that Alabama defense. Uh, Alabama, I think, hung around that game, but the offense never really found its foot. And that Texas defensive line was game. So mm-hmm. to start our show, our opening segment is, of course, going to answer the age-old question, is Texas back? They're all the way back. I mean, how can you look, watch what we saw on Saturday night and not at least somewhat feel that way? And, I, I mean, you talk about Quinn Ewers, and he made a lot of big boy throws. It was more than just the deep passes, too. Like, when Alabama did get pressure, especially late in that game, he didn't really look, really look phased. But one of the reasons I was so high on Texas coming into this season played out on the field in Bryant-Denny Stadium against Alabama. Alabama was supposed to be a team that if they were going to have success, it would be because of the strength of their offensive line, the strength of their defensive front. And Texas handled both of those tests beautifully. They uh, to Alabama got zero tackles for loss against Texas in that game. And that just shows the strength of the Longhorns' offensive line. But like you said, the Texas defensive front was consistently getting after an inexperienced quarterback in Jalen Milrow. And even though Milrow is dangerous when he's out of structure and running, they got him off of his reads so quickly to where that Alabama offense never got into any kind of rhythm. And so when you see that on the road in that environment against the talent that Alabama has, I don't know how you look at this and don't think that Texas is a legitimate college football playoff contender, especially because they now probably have, well, definitely so far the best win of any team in college football Mm -hmm. this season, but what could end up being still one of the best wins at the end of the season as well. I 100% agree, and uh, you were much more bullish on Texas going into the year, and I yeah. I wanted to – I wasn't, like, anti-Texas, but I just wasn't all the way in. I wanted to see it because I knew that this game loomed as an early season test, and I could kind of wait and see and be like, okay, let's see if they could really prove – it wasn't like, like Georgia or something. You're not going to know until, like, November if this team is <laughs> legit or not, where Texas right. you're going to learn pretty quickly, so I kind of – played a little neutral on it. And now that I've seen it, I think, yeah, this team is absolutely a college football playoff contender. And then look at, uh, look at the schedule that is breaking. Oh, yeah. away. We'll get into, I want, I want to stick on the game, but the schedule is really broken out nicely for Texas to really go undefeated in the regular season and likely make the college football playoff on the Quinn Ewers topic though. I mean, last year struggled with the deep ball. This is a Texas mm-hmm. team outside the top 100 explosive pass rate. Ewers, you know, pro football focus, they grade, Big time throws, which are yeah. you know, downfield throws into tight windows. It, it's a pretty self-explanatory stat. And then they also have turnover worthy plays. Uh, passes that should have been picked off, basically. Right. And last year, his ratio was 19 to 12. 19 big time throws to 12 turnover worthy plays. Again, it's a small sample size of just one game, but three big time throws last week against Alabama. Zero turnover worthy plays. He did not put Texas in a situation where they were either behind the sticks Uh, an untimely turnover. And I would say even in the first quarter, it felt like the tenor to this game was very different. I believe Texas Mm -hmm. went for it twice in the first quarter on like fourth and twos and like, you know, no man's land where like, if you don't get it, it's not a killer. But this was a team that came out with an aggressive mindset that said like, we're not playing as an underdog here. We are playing like we are 
on the same scale as Alabama or just better than them. Steve Sarkeesian really right. called a fantastic game. So I was particularly impressed in the tenor of the game. And even in the third quarter, where it was like 13-9, and it felt like Al- – and then uh, Milrow throws a deep ball to Jermaine Burden, like a 50-yard bomb. Also, an Alabama takes the lead. It felt like this was another one where Texas is going to be kicking themselves that they lost, and like they right. really squandered their real chance. But then Quinn Ewers composed – was it worthy on that one? I, I'm losing track of like the sequence of events, but a deep pass, touchdown, answers right away, interception yeah. for Texas, and then the game breaks out their way. So I would say Texas answered the call, and they really – the attitude they brought to the field, their defensive line controlled the line of scrimmage. They were pushing forward. They were living ahead of the sticks where Alabama was playing catch-up kind of on second and third down. So I think a – Full credit win, and I'll say this. I think, you know, if we want to talk rest of the season, I think Quinn Ewers is like a must bet to win the Heisman. I I think, again, I didn't bet him before the season because, I mean, let's not talk about who I bet, but I didn't bet Quinn Ewers before the season. We can talk about who I bet because it was Quinn Ewers. So (laughs) So I, I will happily be late to the party with, though, knowing the result of the Alabama game. You know, I'll sacrifice... Uh, you know, double uh, double digit odds, 16 to 1, 20 to 1, to get plus 850, plus 900, knowing that he carved up Alabama. And then if, I mean, if you want to go through Texas schedule here, let's see, Texas schedule and how it breaks out, because you could look at the Big 12 um, as, I think, a much worse conference than could have been feared. Texas, yeah. they start Big 12 play next week at Baylor, who's 0-2 and on to their backup quarterback. That's, mm-hmm. you know, what would have been a tricky game on the road to start Big 12 play all of a sudden became much easier. They play Oklahoma in the Red River game October 7th. Oklahoma's not very good. Until they They're go not. to Jackson Arnold, this Oklahoma team isn't beating Texas, in my opinion. Again, anything could happen, but I don't, uh, you know, I, I think Oklahoma is a clear step below, if not two steps below Texas right now. They host Kansas State, which is probably their toughest game on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Then Kansas State still has some defensive concerns. Then they go at TCU, the team that just left 45 points to Colorado, <laughs> which, again, I'm not saying Colorado isn't good, but this Texas offense clearly is much is further out of that. Uh, and then they host Texas Tech, who's also 0-2 in their season finale. Other games that I didn't name that are on the Big 12 schedule, I'm just going to go through them because they're less upset-worthy, I would say. Home Kansas at Houston, home BYU at Iowa State. Maybe mm. Texas slips up along the way, but this team has the springboard given not only that win against Alabama, but the whole Big 12 kind of starting to fall apart here to go undefeated and go to the college football playoff. With that being said, Quinn Ewers to me, I think anything down to plus 300. I think he has probably better than a 25% chance, but if we're talking betting, plus 300, 25% implied probability. This is a no-brainer, Quinn Ewers. This guy is going to be at the top of the Heisman candidate list the entire season and will eventually pass Caleb Williams given the difficulty of USC schedule. Yeah, you look at USC schedule. I mean, that's point number one. But then, like, the reason I was in on Quinn Ewers as the Heisman in the preseason is because I had so much belief in this Texas team. And whether we want to admit it or not, the Heisman has become at least 50% a narrative award as much as it is like a, you know, individual talent award. and. Caleb Williams is still the best player in the country. I don't think anyone's going to deny that. But the quarterback who shows up and leads Texas back, leads Texas to the even the playoff conversation, is going to get so much narrative and push behind him for the Heisman Trophy. And I'm with you on that schedule. Like, you know, the one thing that I'm sure anyone who still doesn't believe that Texas is back is going to say is, well, you know, 
yeah, Texas won the big game, but they're going to have the game where they don't show up or they're going to have this. I mean, Sark also has that in his history as well. So mm-hmm. you have, you 100%. know, the double whammy there. But like you said, the schedule sets up favorably. Like I look at the four games that I could like conceivably see them losing in the Big 12 based on what I've seen from these teams. And it's Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, if Oklahoma, you know, takes a step forward. And then Texas Tech, if they figure things out. Three of those games are at, are in Austin, and the other one's the neutral site, Red River. I mean, it sets up perfectly for them to run the table in this thing. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I wouldn't even put Kansas there. I think Kansas is really good, but they don't have the same level of athletes that Texas does. I feel, um, if I'm not mistaken, Kansas last year, maybe they. I know they got smoked by Oklahoma. They ended up losing by like ten, but they were never in that game. It just feels like Kansas is a a king of the middle class, but when they play like legitimate elite competition, they kind of just get like outsized still coming along. But yeah. I, I completely agree. So again, you were there early and full credit to you. And listen, <laughs> now I've seen it. I, I believe I am on board. I am with there this Texas team. And again, you mentioned Caleb Williams. I mentioned the schedule and how difficult it is. No, no player has won the Heisman Trophy in back-to-back years since the 70s. So mm-hmm. gonna, Caleb Williams is going to have to overcome a lot to really kind of um, overcome this narrative of voter fatigue. And this, yeah. the Heisman Trophy voting is a very regional award. Like you said, with Texas being back, people are going to gravitate towards that award. Just other contenders in play, Michael Penix, I think, he probably has to outplay Caleb Williams by a fair share and Washington has to run the table to win that one. Jordan Travis at Florida state, another one, I would say he's firmly in the mix, but again, they have a, you know, the ACC might be a little bit better than expected. And we we gave Clemson a lot of flack last week's show. They're playing at Clemson next week in a noon kickoff. And that defense is still good. Like it's even if Clemson is worse, that's not like some walk in the park, easy win so you know <laughs> yeah. fsu falls off the path all of a sudden jordan travis kind of ejects himself in the conversation so to me quinn ewer's number is only going one way and it's going down yeah it is going closer to caleb williams and i think it's eventually going to pass him so texas back any other thoughts on the longhorns or is this going to be like a season long you'll keep victory lapping as they continue to emerge as the college football playoff or do you want to get I, like it all out now <laughs> I mean, I'll victory lap as much as you want me to. Um, but no, I think coming – one of the reasons I was in on this team is I looked at this matchup against Alabama. And, I mean, you know, like I had – like I picked last week, but I had that game circled as Texas plus whatever number they're putting on the board because I saw the I saw a better team on paper, and I was willing to believe in that. And so, granted, it does feel a lot better to have seen it, you know, but mm. especially after they looked very pedestrian against Rice – in week yeah. one. So it's very good to see it, but I'm not going to victory lap every week. I mean, I've, I've watched Texas for too many years to like put them in the playoff firmly yeah. all right now. Cause there is, you know, that slip up game looming, but I'm definitely, I'm feeling confident. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, we will see it. Hey, maybe, maybe rice is just good. Beat Houston. Right? Maybe, maybe rice is just good. We'll, we'll see. Let's, Talk some week three here. Like we said, it's a bit of a reprieve after a chaotic week two and a breath of, uh, I don't want to say fresh air because we don't really get fresh air during college season, but take a <laughs> breath before a chaotic week four. So week three, Cody, you had the stronger week last week, 10 and nine overall on the year. I'm eight and 11. I got a 
pick it up a little bit. And if you like any of the bets we're about to give out, do not forget to scan that barcode in the bottom right corner for points bet. You sign up, you could get uh, credit to fanatics.com to get yourself a jersey. Maybe it's on the team you bet on. Uh, Win win or lose either. So make sure you scan that. Cody, you do the honors of our first pick. We're going to go early week game. We have a handful of Thursday and Friday night games to chew from Memphis Navy tomorrow. And then it's UTSA, Army on Friday, Maryland, Virginia, Utah State Air Force, and I believe that's it. I did not mention Bethune-Cookman, Miami, as an FCS opponent. But shout out <laughs> Miami for uh, taking care of business last yeah. week against Texas A&M. So, Cody, I'll give you the honors. You win last week. You get to go first. What is your early week play for week three? So I'm, you know, looking for a little early week, a uh, little sickos action just to get, you know, wet the whistle. I'm going Army UTSA under 45. Um, so for starters, I think it starts out, this total is probably a little lower than it would be because Frank Harris left last week for UTSA. They're starting quarterback for like the past decade, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it's still questionable if he's going to go. It's actually looking a little less favorable that he is. So Without him in this offense, I mean, UTSA's offense, the Roadrunners haven't exactly been lighting it up. But more, what I've been impressed with with this team is they've been really stout defensively. I mean, they held Houston to 20 in week one. And then last week they played Texas State, the team that hung 40-plus on Baylor, and they held them to 13 points in a win. And I don't see an Army team that's kind of transitioning to a more hybrid option approach on offense. Like, they've thrown the ball a decent amount by army standards to be very clear, Mm -hmm. but uh, this year and it's worked to middling results, but I mean, they only put up 13 points against UL Monroe earlier this season. And so I don't see them having success against a UTSA TSA defense. That's been really better than solid to this point. And without Harris, I don't see the roadrunners offense having a whole lot of juice. And on top of that, you, you know, it's still an option like based offense for army. So that's going to bleed the clock. So under 45, I really like that number. Yeah, these are two teams. I, first of all, I agree with you on the under. I played uh, some Army myself earlier in the week when I I was skeptical that Frank Harris was going to go. Also, offensive lineman Makai Hart also likely going to mm-hmm. miss for UTSA. I completely agree with you. These are two teams I've actually watched my fair share of early in the season because I faded yeah. Army in week one, and um, I ended up fading UTSA last week against Texas State. Frank Harris left at the end of that first half, and it did not look like he was going to come back. They offered him a cart. He ended up walking to the, like limping to the back. I didn't think he was going to go. He apparently got an injection in his toe multiple, he said, and that kind of numbed the entire effect. Um, but he hardly moved in the second half. It was more a matter of UTSA's defense holding off Texas State than UTSA's offense running away with this one. And that comes after a three interception game against Houston, like inexplicable turnovers for a veteran quarterback. So I'm already down this UTSA team and Army – as a dog, I like getting them because while they're transitioning offenses, it's still a lot of triple option like oh, yeah. quarterback designed runs. It's not like as stark as we think. It's like a slow transition. So I think that this game is going to be bleeding off the clock. I think if Frank Harris goes, he's going to be hobbled and they're going to try and lean on the run. Army, of course, going to lean on the run. So I agree with you on the under. I'd lean towards getting Army with the points just because it's it's still over a touchdown. If Frank Harris doesn't go the backup who his name is escaping me right now, he's he did not put up any sort of uh, threat. He played a drive or two and got sacked twice. So yeah. uh, he really did not look uh, any prepared for this. So this is like Frank Harris centric in this one. So I completely agree with the under. Um, 
my pick, I'm going to lay it with Maryland minus 14 and a half against Virginia. Virginia, heartbreaker against James Madison. They lose in the final minutes, a high scoring game, I'll say. And then in week one, they obviously get rolled by Tennessee. Maryland, meanwhile, a little, uh, you know, play with their food a bit against Charlotte, but they end up pulling away and uh, they destroy Towson in their opening game. This is just a talent mismatch, in my opinion. I think Maryland can pretty much name their number here. I think like alternate lines are in play. As it look, Winston, you don't like you don't like a. Oh no, you want to go down? Maybe he doesn't oh, like, no. Maybe he doesn't like the pick. Um, sorry about that. But this is a Maryland team with a huge talent advantage against Virginia. Uh, Virginia, like I just said, they lost to James Madison. They were a six point underdog in that game at two, as well at home. Uh, I mean, last year, this team was bottom 10 across the board in all offensive metrics. It looks like it's going to be a similar result this year. I mean, 120th in success rate on offense, on defense. Yes, they play Tennessee. Yes, they play James Mass, if you want to consider that. But fourth, fifth worst success rate on defense. They're now playing a Maryland team with four and five star recruits. Um, I think that this is going to be an absolute uh, trousing here. Maryland, I think they get off you know, to a hot start here after a slow start last week and they blow out Virginia. Yeah, I, I definitely think a lot of Maryland's slow start last week against Charlotte had to do with looking ahead to like a big power five game. You know, I mean, granted, Virginia's not very good. I've spoken about how I think they're the, one of the worst teams in the power five. But uh, I'm, I'm with you on this pick all the way. Uh, another behind the scenes moment. Uh, you got your picks in before I did, or else this would have been my early week pick. But uh, I like mine just the same. But yeah, I, it's a talent mismatch. Uh, Virginia got rid of Tony Musket after one game, and they're going with uh, Calandria at quarterback. I do think he improves the offense, but I don't think that there's still any consistency on that side of the ball, especially when you're going up against, you know, I don't think Maryland's defense is a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but uh, I do think that they have enough to slow down Virginia. There's talent on that side of the ball. I mean, Maryland's mm-hmm. one of like the five most talented Big Ten teams from a pure recruiting and talent standpoint. So I think that they're going to wreak some havoc here. Um, again, I, I'd lay with Maryland um, as a big favorite at home Friday night nationally televised. I like that one. SEC play yeah. starts for a handful of of teams this week. So we're going to do a little SEC dedicated segment. We have, I want to say it's four, not everyone's in action, but we have LSU, Mississippi state. We have Georgia. Uh, um, this is an SEC play, but um, we could talk some SEC action with Georgia tech. will miss the SEC team ahead of their game against Alabama. Um, we also have Georgia, South Carolina, and there's one more I'm forgetting that is also an SEC versus SEC matchup that I now can't find. But anyway, SEC has some big games this week. Cody, where are you looking? Um, you have an SEC versus SEC matchup. Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm going to the Georgia-South Carolina game. And, you know, I looked hard at Georgia minus 27 and a half. But I think the better play here is South Carolina team total under 13 and a half. Once again, sorry to our producer, Joanne. But uh, the Gamecocks are have not looked great. I mean, they got walloped by North Carolina and beat up in the trenches in that game. And we just saw North Carolina get taken to overtime by Appalachian State, which is one of my losses from last week. I, you know, I said that I was buying into North Carolina. Maybe I should have been selling South Carolina, which is what you told me to do. Um, And so you look back at the history of this rivalry and in three of the last six games, the Gamecocks have come under this total. And two of those games were in Athens where they did go under 13 and a half. And they've also over that span only scored more than 17 once. 
<laughs> Sorry, Joanne's telling us uh, Gamecocks by 80, and I'm uh, I'm saying absolutely not. <laughs> but uh, now you're looking at a Georgia team who, even if this might be the least deep offensive line that we've seen Kirby Smart have, or uh, sorry, defensive front that they've had, there's still a bunch of talent, as it always is, because it's Georgia, and you're going up against the worst offensive line that South Carolina has put out in this rivalry in a long time. I don't see how South Carolina is going to move the ball. I think we could see fewer than three possessions that get across midfield for South Carolina in this game. I think Kirby Smart is going to have his team ready, fired up for SEC play. And more importantly, I think he wants to take the game out of Carson Beck's hand because I I think the jury might still be out on the quarterback at Georgia in terms of like whether he's, you know, the next guy or not. And so I think he wants the defense to control this game. And I think that's bad news for South Carolina. I agree. It'd be either laying with Georgia or, uh, Gamecocks team total under, like you said, last three years have not gone over this number. And I think Georgia, especially, I mean, South Carolina, negative two rushing yards against North Carolina. What's going to happen against Georgia's defensive front? So I, right. I think, uh, definitely agree with you here. And the game, the SEC versus SEC matchup, I forgot, uh, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, Tennessee versus Florida um, in the oh, SEC yeah. opener. So um, my pick, though, it's not SEC versus SEC, but uh, two Southern schools, Georgia Tech, Plus 19 against Ole Miss. Uh, this Georgia Tech mm-hmm. offense, a little more lively than I think we gave it credit for. I mean, I don't know how Buster Faulkner, the new OC at Georgia Tech, kind of fell through the cracks and ended up here. I do not think it's going to be a very long stay with right. the Yellow Jackets. This is a quarterback's quality control coach the last three years with the Bulldogs. So this is one who mm-hmm. he comes from you know, a pretty high pedigree. And I mean, listen, with Haynes King, he put up 30 plus against Louisville on a neutral field. The team scored, I believe, over 40 against, I think it was South Carolina State in their, you know, cupcake matchup. Now they get an Ole Miss team. I think that this is a really, really good spot for Georgia Tech. Ole Miss dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Uh, Last week struggled to really pull away from Tulane. I know that scoreboard got a little lopsided. I think it was 37-20. That was not the case. That was not indicative of how that game played out. Ole Miss was trailing for much of that game. Uh, Tulane was on their backup quarterback. They closed as like 10-point road favorites, and they struggled to win. They got a late, like, 56-yard field goal. They had a late pick and a late score, so that kind of busted the game open more than it probably should have. Georgia Tech, and now Ole Miss next week gets Alabama. That's their big game. Lane Kiffin against his old boss, Nick Saban. Georgia Tech here. Offense looks a little bit friskier. Ole Miss, Quinshawn Jutkins didn't practice this week. He didn't even finish the game last week. Zakari Franklin, the UTSA transfer wide receiver, he hasn't even played yet this season. Trey Harris yeah. missed practice early in the week. I don't know if Ole Miss is looking to run this score up and really put a number on Georgia Tech. I think the Yellow Jackets are going to be frisky here and, dare I say, upset. This didn't make the upset oh. graphic, but Georgia Tech – I think this is going to be a game in the fourth quarter. I think they're definitely going to cover this, you know, near three touchdown spread. I think that it's more likely they end up losing by like four to seven rather than 17 to 21. I think that this game is going to be really tight, uh, especially with Ole Miss not incentivized to really run up the score, considering they're banged up and considering they have Alabama on deck. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I think one of the wildest things I saw in the uh, the this week's AP top 25 was Ole Miss moving up, I think, four spots in the poll after that win over Tulane when they barely – I mean, the scoreboard might not indicate it, but they barely beat a team playing with – a group of five team playing with their backup quarterback 
like Michael Pratt did not play in that game. If Michael Pratt plays in that game, Tulane probably wins if we're being completely honest about it. And so I'm, I don't have a lot of faith in this Ole Miss team, but I do know that Lane Kiffin is focused on that Alabama game. And this is, this is, I mean, it's, as clear of a trap spot as it gets and you get the benefit of people not catching on to the fact that Georgia tech might be actually better than we realize. And so I think that's why you're getting a 19 here. So yeah, I really like this play. I'm not sure I'm going as far as you with the upset alert, but uh, I definitely think that they're going to keep it within three touchdowns, which is basically what the spread is asking for. Well, we'll see you looking from like a macro perspective, like looking at the slate of like, all right, which team, like, this is like a pretty lousy slate of games. There's not like a lot really going on. Like, where's there going to be a shakeup? Like, where are we going to see some yeah. like seismic shifts in like the, the well being of college football? And we're going to talk about a few with upset alert, but I, I this one kind of caught my eye as like, hmm, really? Ole Miss? Yeah, like, I mean, we're just going to, we're going we're gonna to chalk this one up. They, they look that good that like we're just going to take this one and move on. I don't know. We'll see. I think Georgia Tech could hang, especially with that offense. Yeah, and it definitely does feel like that. It's the type of week where everyone's like, oh, I'm going to take my kids to the apple orchard and, you know, not really pay a whole lot of attention, especially like preparing for next week where you're going to be out of commission for 12 hours. But, uh, and then you come back and you check the ESPN app and like three ranked teams have lost and you don't understand how. And this seems like a good spot for that where no one's paying attention. All right, here we go. Text from a friend last night. So it literally sounds like exactly what you said. He goes, let me see. Where, where was it? Um, now I can't find it. Oh, Saturday is going to be so explicit word, boring. Going to be home with nothing to do and there's nothing to watch. And I said, I think it's probably going to end up being <laughs> crazy just because that's the vibe of everyone. So we'll, we'll see. A hundred percent. We'll see how it goes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Next up, though, uh, we did this last weekend. It's kind of a good way to bring in uh, Colorado because we're talking ranked team games in Colorado, up to 18 in the AP poll. I'll lead us off here. Colorado, Colorado State. I played the over 59. I think if there was a time to fade Colorado, like this is like we're getting to like a buy point with fading the buffs. They're laying like 23 now against Colorado State. And I'm down on Colorado State. It's just a big number. And I actually think that the setup's kind of decent here for the Rams. They're onto their backup quarterback. He's going to start after Clay Millen got hurt. I think Clay Millen's terrible. They had a bye in week two. So Jay Norvell, who is an offensive-minded coach, he actually gets like an extra week to prepare for this one. Colorado has Oregon on deck in their big – like that's like the next like, you know, nationally tell – like no one – is going to be as focused on the buffs this week than they were the past two weeks. This is kind of like a lull in the schedule for them. Oregon on deck. 
So I could see Colorado playing with their food a little bit. Like I said, Colorado State, mm-hmm. extra week to prepare. They were getting smoked by Washington State in week one. They were down like 31 to three in the third quarter. But then they went super fast. They were pushing the ball down the field. And the final score was like in the neighborhood of 50 to 24. Ton of points. Colorado State definitely oh, yeah. got theirs at the end when the backup came in, especially. Uh, I think it's Fowler and Nikosi is how you say it. Now, Colorado, I'm still questioning their defense if they could really hold up, but especially like late in the game, like Travis Hunter, for example, like if they build like a near covering the spread, like lead, like 20 plus or something, are they really going to keep Hunter in and get him like more reps at cornerback? Like that's set. They probably want him like fresh for Oregon. So you get the backups in. I don't even know how deep this roster is Colorado. So I think Colorado state could actually score some points. Again, I don't know if they're going to cover kind of think they are, but I'm not going to bet that. I'd rather bet the over. And then Colorado's yeah. offense I mean, listen, all anyone could say is that Shadur Sanders is in the Heisman conversation. You don't think Deion Sanders is in Sean Lewis's ear, ear saying, oh, we're, we're getting Shadur four touchdowns, five touchdowns. Like this offense only knows one speed and it's fast and forward. And they're going to get to five touchdowns, six touchdowns, 35, 42 points. I think Colorado State can maybe keep up and, you know, hang around this number to cover and definitely go over the total. So I, I played over 59. Yeah, so I I actually look at this game as a stay away for a lot of the reasons you actually mentioned. I'm, I'm staying away from it in a lot of capacities just because I think that there's a chance that we see the least Travis Hunter we have this season and on either side of the ball. Like, I think he saves him for Oregon just to make sure, you know, he's ready for next week in Eugene because if they're going to have a chance, it's going to need to be a big Travis Hunter game on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And But, I mean, the only thing that – I think that you're right about is that Dion is definitely going to try and juice Shador's number again, numbers in the easiest game that they've had thus far in terms of level of competition. But, and I, if I had to play something, I think it would probably be the over because you look at last week and they scored 50 total. I think that like the total for the game ended up being 50 between them and Nebraska. Mm -hmm. If Jeff Sims doesn't commit three of the most God awful turnovers that I've seen in my entire life, like that, they probably hit the over in that game. And I think Colorado state's offense is much more like from what we've seen when they use that tempo, they're much more susceptible to explosive plays than Nebraska. is. And so I think that Colorado's offense will have more success consistently in this game. And I also think Colorado state is more live to not have Jeff Sims on their offense. We'll make sure next week we talk Oregon, Colorado. Just, I I think this game is set up for fireworks for the reason that I don't think Colorado's Mm -hmm. defense is all that good. Colorado State coming on off the bye, I think maybe a little bit, a little, little bit more pop than it would be that if like they came in like off a off a loss or something. I think they, the extra prep yeah. maybe help out. Um, where are you looking, ranked team games? So ranked team games, I'm looking at Florida State minus 26 and a half at Boston College this week. I honestly have no idea why this line is where it is. We're looking at a Boston College team that lost to Northern Illinois in week one. A Northern Illinois team who then went and lost to FCS Southern Illinois last year or last week, excuse me. And meanwhile, while that was happening, Boston College was fighting tooth and nail to beat Holy Cross by three. This is an awful Boston College team. And and basically, like their offense is anemic. The defense is not good. I mean, you're giving up 27 points to Holy Cross. Like that tells you everything you need to know about that team. And then you have a Florida State team that had that cakewalked. LSU 
45-24 in the opener. And then just like, honestly, I watched the FSU Southern Miss game. They played poorly and still hung 60 on them. Yep. Like the beginning of that game, they looked absolutely terrible on offensively. The nothing was clicking. They had a multiple going forward on fourth downs to extend drives. And they still ended up putting up 60 points. I, I understand that this game is on the road. It's a long trip to Chestnut Hill. I do, and I understand that it's a look ahead spot to Clemson. I do not care. I think that even looking ahead, this Florida State team is that much better than Boston College. So my one concern with laying this number, there's a, like a projected – I live on the East Coast. There's like a projected right. hurricane coming our way or like tropical right. storm. It, it's supposed to be brutal. And this has been like the one game that has been like pegged as like weather game. So I think the only way – that Boston College actually keeps us in the number is that like you can't throw a forward pass and it's just like an absolute slot fest and Florida State plays more like all right let's get like a three to- like a seventeen point lead and then like we're just gonna run the ball burn the clock off and let's go home but I agree with you Boston College looks horrible it looks like Jeff Halfley might be trending towards uh, first coach fired I would say yeah and I mean even with the hurricane like. It's not like Florida State doesn't have a run game with Jordan Travis and Trey Benson. Like, yeah. even if they're milking the clock, they can still break off explosive plays and get to this number. I, I definitely lean towards like FSU at under four touchdowns. I just think the weather is like what's impacting because the totals dropped. Yeah. And the total no. opened at 55 and a half, 56, and it's now sitting at 48 and a half. So you have like a more than a touchdown drop. So, like, with that, so is the spread because, like, it, you know, less implied points scored, less implied points scored by the favorite. It's harder. It's that much harder to cover. But I agree with you. I think FSU, they're really built to beat up on crappy teams. Like with the really Walker <laughs> and Coleman or Wilson and Coleman on the outside, uh, Trey Benson, like you said, and Travis's big arm, they're really able to, like, beat up on teams. Yeah. And I mean, and then you look at, you know, the flip side of the ball, that front seven, it may not be the best front seven in the country, but guys like Jared Verse, they're, <laughs> if you put them up against a weak offensive line, they're going to feast. Yeah. I completely agree. All right. Late night. We're both going to be up late watching these games. Colorado, Colorado State's late, but we got, we got, I have the latest uh, one on the board. Why don't you go first? You won last week. Where, where are you looking late nights, uh, late night games? Yeah, so I'm looking at uh, Kansas Jayhawks now that uh, Jalen Daniels is back, and I'm taking the Kansas team total over 43-and-a-half. That's on FanDuel. Um, So I know Illinois' secondary has not looked good through the first two weeks of the season, but Jalen Daniels absolutely tore them apart last Friday. And now you're playing playing at Nevada, which it's a road game, but it's Nevada. Nevada Mm -hmm. might have the worst defense in college football. Like this team gave up 66 to USC, which granted it's USC, but then they followed that up giving a 33 to Idaho, Idaho, the Vandals, like (laughs) the Vandals. And so not the Vandals. (laughs) And so like, you know, if you're letting the Vandals score, put 33 up on you, you, there's a chance your defense just might be out to pasture. And you know, Kansas isn't USC. They're not going to put up 60, but Jalen Daniels and this offense are so explosive. He can make a play with his legs. He can make a play to any of his receivers anytime. And you have a defense that I don't think has any chance of stopping. Like Kansas has increased its talent level uh, to a very respectable power five level under Lance Leipold. And a Nevada team that couldn't stop Idaho at all, basically, they're not going to have any chance of stopping this. Even if the Jalen Daniels only plays a half, Bean comes in and he's been perfectly fine for Kansas. Gotcha. I just don't see a way where they're honestly held under 50 in this game. I, I agree. Nevada's terrible. Uh, they're so I, bad. I, I completely agree with you. <laughs> and 
like, I guess the only, like Kansas plays slow. So maybe like you don't have enough possessions to go over, but I agree with you, especially the Jason Bean point. He has really come in as a backup considering Daniels got banged up last year. He's done a very nice job filling in. And like this Kansas offense hasn't missed a beat. One of the more unique offenses in college football. So I agree mm-hmm. with you hundred percent. I'm looking similar as you, cause I want Arizona team total over 37 and a half. Uh, I think Dana Dimmel's on his way out here with UTEP. I mean, they got just absolutely whooped by Duke, uh, Duke by Northwestern, thirty-eight to three. So now we need the same number for Arizona, who last season played at a top thirty-five pace, who threw the ball at a top ten rate. We need this team at home. That I mean, I don't know if you caught any of the Mississippi State game, Cody, but they were cooking an SEC defense. I mean, they should have won that game if not for some Jaden Delora interceptions, which, listen, that happens. That's that's what happens when you sign up for Jaden Delora. Those are going to happen. You get five interceptions <laughs> sometimes. It just happens. But now they're back at home, and I think Arizona, this team is high-powered on offense, very capable with their pace and their ability to push the ball down the field to get to 40 points with relative ease. I mean, last week, again, playing an SEC defense, 13% explosive play rate, 91st percentile compared to all games last year average seven yards per drop back I mean the team was really moving the ball quite well against Mississippi State obviously they lose in overtime only scored 24 points there UTEP to me this is a dead team walking I think Arizona is going to name its number I think five touchdowns and a field goal absolutely in play here with the way with the pace they're playing with this looks like kind of a nightmare spot for UTEP again they let this up to Northwestern that which they UTEP was favored in that game. Everyone, no one wanted to touch yeah. Northwestern. Nobody wanted anything to do with this team. They were calling them the worst team in Power Five. Great. Now they're playing a above average Arizona offense. Give it to me. I I think this is a team that's gonna be pissed off about last week's result and really try to take out their frustrations. Yeah, and I mean Northwestern still might be the worst team in Power <laughs> Five, and that just might be how bad UTEP is this year. Um, but no, I think we're both playing a smart game of a uh, spot the duck on defense in these late night games because yeah. we're looking at two offenses that you know Kansas obviously doesn't play as fast as Arizona, but they're both explosive, both have big playability, and both know how to put a big number on the on the board. And two defenses that appear from what we've seen more than willing to allow that to happen. I think something else to look at when you're talking overs, at least on my Arizona play, is with the new clock rules, you are seeing less possessions. You are seeing the clock really bleed off. I think some teams are immune to that, though, when they have a very high pass rate. When Because you're either having a successful play down the field that keeps the clock running, but you're picking up, especially an explosive offense like Arizona, you're picking up 15, 20 yards of pop. That Mm -hmm. offsets the clock moving or if it's an incomplete pass, clock stops. All of a sudden, it's the same thing. And I know like that sounds so simple, but you're saving yourself a lot of place here when all you do is pass the ball. Again, Arizona last season, yeah. top 10 in pass rate last year. So I think, you know, you talk Washington with their pass-happy offense, another team that can maybe like shed the total idea and how uh, the clock is always running. Just something to keep an eye on. I'm going to do some more work on that and see if there's something to that. Uh no, I definitely think that makes sense. I don't, I mean, like, I'm curious to see what you find because, like, it sounds simple, but it does make sense into something that may not be factored into some of these plays. Yeah. So, some late night overs we're going to be pulling on. Uh, some big favorites to just absolutely whoop the other team. It's a good way to bet. Just like root for the team to absolutely oh, yeah. tear up the other one. Uh, let's get a little bit crazier, though. 
upset alert this week. We said that maybe this is shaping up to be a little bit of a slow week uh, on this Saturday afternoon, but maybe things get a little bit crazy. I mentioned Georgia Tech maybe a little live. I think uh, a home dog might be barking. I'm going to talk about but Cody, I think you might take the cake for the craziest upset alert of the week. And by the way, I don't think you're that crazy. I appreciate that because I feel a little crazy, but that's, I mean, that's kind of my vibe. So, uh, but I have Western Kentucky laying 29 and a half at Ohio state this week. And man, I don't understand how you can take Ohio state based off what we've seen through two weeks as more than four touchdown, a more than four touchdown favorite against a good group of five team. Western Kentucky is not a world beater, but one thing they can do is put up points. Obviously they have Austin Reed back. He's, you know, dynamic as a passer. And this Western Kentucky offense is a cheat code on the college rules. And when you look at what Ohio state has done this year, they beat Indiana 23 to three and they beat Youngstown state 35 to three. A, how is Western Kentucky only by the odds maker standards, 2.5 points better than Youngstown state. That makes zero sense to me. And then on top of that, that those two teams, they haven't tested Ohio state's defense at all. I'm not saying Western Kentucky is going to be like Penn state or Michigan in terms of Mm -hmm. testing them, but they are going, it's going to be the first like legitimate offense that they've seen this to this point in the college season. And that's like, to me, that's a question mark about Ohio State because we've seen this defense struggle in the past couple of years. And I, I think Jim Knowles is a good coordinator, but we still don't know if it's all the way fixed based on who they played. And then you throw in the Kyle McCord factor in this offense. They were still stumbling quite a bit against Youngstown State, and they have not shown anything that says that, you know, in the past when you would see this line in this type of game for Ohio State, it's like, yeah, they're going to score on almost every possession. Nothing we've seen from them says that they're that same type of offense. And so 29 and a half points, I'm taking those all day. And if, you know, if this defense turns out to be somewhat of a problem, the money line is at plus 2000. And I mean, the babyest of sprinkles on that, the babyest of sprinkles, but I do not trust this Ohio state team at all. A little bit of this was a sprinkle. Oh yeah. A little little seasoning. I, I think you make a good point. I mean, we spoke about Kyle McCord. I, I think, Big, big red flag for the Buckeyes this season. Uh, they're moving forward with Kyle McCord. Um, Washington, Kentucky also expected to get back Malachi Corley. Their you know, fourth mm-hmm. leading receiver in the entire country last year. Made Shed the most tackles in the entire country at wide receiver last year. He got hurt in the opener against South Florida. He's expected to be back for the nation's leading passer last year, Austin Reed. Four touchdowns, I agree with you. I think that this has to be a play on uh, Washington, Kentucky. I, I think way too much credit baked in for Ohio State, who – by the way, plays Notre Dame next week. You think like they're really oh, yeah. going to let the whole playbook loose and really on un- if Ryan Day has been playing possum with Kyle McCord and they're really like going super vanilla. We don't want to open up the playbook that much. We want to like kind of ease into this thing. Why is this week the week to really open it up? It's next week at Notre Dame right. to really let them loose. So I think this sets up as a really nice spot for Western Kentucky as well. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Ohio State's been playing slow, slow, slow. I don't know if there's enough possessions for them to cover this. If Western Kentucky is able to find three touchdowns, you know, two touchdowns, yeah. even I think you're, you're sitting, I wouldn't say pretty, but you know, three touchdowns, you should be good. Cause I don't know if Ohio state has the incentive nor the time to really put up that many scores given the state of their offense right now. Nor the ability. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My upset pick. I'm going to go Florida. I'm going to go back to the Graham Mertz pain train I think Florida wins this game outright. I I think this number 
is baked a lot into the priors of what Tennessee was last year, not what they are this year. Tennessee, they played Austin P and Virginia. Very bad. Very, very bad. In those two games, you'd probably say to yourself, oh, I mean, if Tennessee is looking good, you know, they're favored by nearly a touchdown on the road, SEC team. I know Florida's not great, but, you know, they, you know, they probably have to look pretty good then. Uh, Tennessee's passing offense, 97th in EPA per play against two cupcakes. How, mm-hmm. are you, how are you not concerned about this team? We already went to the year concerned about Joe Milton. He's been benched twice at two different schools. Now they're going to Florida, a night game. I And here's the thing with Florida. And I know Graham Mertz isn't great. I, I know I, the Wisconsin home is behind me. I'm well aware. I'm not surprised with having a Utah. But if you want intimately know that, <laughs> let me this Florida team against Utah first play of the game, 70 yard pop and put them behind the script on the road. One of the toughest places to play. Utah only had a 30% success rate in that game, ninth percentile when compared to all games in 2022. Florida's defense really showed out in that game. And I know that they had a Utah was content kind of just running into a wall and playing with their back of a trust in their defense. But Tennessee doesn't have the defense that Florida, uh, Utah does. And they're on the road. So I think Florida in a pretty good spot here to kind of expose this Tennessee offense. And I know the floor is really high with Josh Heupel, but I think you're going to see closer to the floor than the ceiling because I don't trust Joe Milton. I'll happily go down on the sword that, you know, all right, I lost money fading Joe Milton on the road in a tough SEC environment at night in their SEC opener. <laughs> I can sleep easy knowing that I made that bet. I just think that this is setting up perfectly for, for Florida to get off to a win here. I think that you haven't seen Tennessee and they don't deserve this rating. No, 100%. I mean, going what you said, you know, sleeping well, it's process over results. Faden Joe Milton is good process, and that's the point. Yeah. Uh, so I think the one thing why I would stay away from this and why I'm not ready to as a whole, I'm out on Joe Milton with you. I think I didn't think he was the right call to start at the beginning of the season because we've seen it. Like, dude is a six-year player, and he's not that good. Like, he can throw the ball a mile, but in terms of running a successful offense and an efficient offense, it's not there. And But what gives me pause about this pick is uh, Nico Imaleva sitting in the wings for Tennessee. And I think that, especially in a rivalry game, SEC opener, that if Milton comes out and is still not – you know, producing in a, an, a good offense for Tennessee. I think we could see a halftime switch from Hypel to Nico. And I think Nico's the good yeah, and the legit. perfect type. Yeah. And the perfect type of passer for this Tennessee offense on top of that. So like, I think it could be a situation where Florida has this number and like maybe has a lead at halftime and they make that switch and it's lights out for Florida because I don't think this Florida team is very good. And I, but I'm with you in that, in the process of, I don't think this Tennessee team with Joe Milton is very good either. Also, though, Tennessee's defense last year, not so great. Bottom half of the country yeah. in EPA per play. So that's a little unproven as well. I just think Florida, I think everyone now is starting to think, and I'm with you, I agree, but how poor the offense looked against Utah. I think the offense is going to look a lot better against Tennessee at home. I just think that the spot sets up much nicer for Florida than it did at Utah, that's a that's yeah. a tough spot for sure, especially going down seven nothing. So I think Florida here at home. Um, if you remember last year, they led early in the game against Tennessee. Uh, they ended up losing. I believe they covered, but um, 
I think Florida's a rivalry game. This is a really tough spot at night. And to your Nico point, like maybe Hypo makes the move. Feels a little early and also feels like road SEC opener. Like, do you want to fire that bullet right there? I, I, I wonder if that's, if maybe like if it's going south, Milton gets maybe a little bit more lead. Like, I don't know if he has like such a quick hook. I, I think like, we'll say that I, I thought about it, but I, I just feel like it's a little early in the season for them to pull Milton and go to the true freshman quarterback. I think if it wasn't the Florida game, I might not even consider it because I do think like, you know, road, road SEC opener, like that's not the ideal spot, but in terms of like pressure that Hypo feels from Tennessee boosters, Tennessee fan base, losing the Florida game after, you know, they have a nice little win streak against Florida as well in this rivalry, like that's not going to be a good look. So he, it seems like one of those situations to me where if they're in a tricky, like they're in a bad spot, He's going to have to pull out whatever he can. I think that could be Nico if that happens. It's possible. It's possible. You, you mentioned you had a, a sicko pick already. We're, we're, let's move on to our sicko segment, though. And before we do the sicko segment, don't forget about the points bet giveaway. You could scan the barcode in the bottom right corner, or you could click the link in the description below. Again, new users can sign up and place a $50 bet, and you get any jersey you want from fanatics.com. Again, you could check the podcast description or you could scan the barcode on the right using the code FS jerseys. All right, sickos pick time. Worked last week. Worked like a charm. We're going to do it again. UAB, Louisiana, over 59 and a half. Trent Dilfer has this offense playing at lightning speed. More than two and a half plays per minute. They're throwing the ball like 45 times. The defense can't stop a lick. You want to talk about Louisiana? They lost on the road 38 to 31 to Old Dominion. <laughs> I mean, you want to pull up some of the numbers from this game. I know Old Dominion's going to have, you know, a pass happy offense given their new coordinator coming from uh, Furman. But I mean, Old Dominion averaged 10.74 yards per drop back, one of the highest rates over the past two years, and it absolutely cooking them. Um, I, I think UAB defense can't stop anybody, offense is playing so fast. I can't help but take this team anything you know below 61. So give me the UAB Louisiana over 59 and a half. I got to make up some ground on you. So I got to like kind of roll with what's working here. So give me that over. Hey, you know what uh, one of the best strategies in betting is, is roll with what's working because that's how you end yeah. up with green in your account. So uh, yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I don't have a whole lot of analysis. All I have to say is that it's, it's hilarious to me that Trent Dilfer, who I would describe as possibly one of the least athletic NFL quarterbacks I've ever watched, has is running an offense at this pace. It's, it's I like it. Modern amazing. offense. Oh, I absolutely love it. And I mean, like, for better or worse, who knows if it results in success, but this UAB team is fun to watch, especially for the sickos like us. Like, tuning into a UAB game to watch a billion points being scored from both teams, that's a good time. <laughs> All right, what are you looking at? So I'm looking to my Ohio Bobcats who are hosting the Iowa State Cyclones and they are three and a half point dogs. Uh, why? I don't I, understand. I already bet this one. I already bet it. Absolutely. I mean, like, it, you know, if the money line had been a little juicier, I might have put this in my upset pick because I'm I outright pretty easy for me. Uh you know, Ohio just got Carter Schwartz back last week. And with when Rourke is at the helm of this offense, they are one of the best group of five teams in the country. Not even in my opinion, it's not really like a debate about that. Iowa State, meanwhile, still without their starting quarterback and obviously will be from 
basically the entire season, if not the entire season, and they're starting running back. They put 13 points up on an Iowa defense that, honestly, this Iowa defense that we saw last week, it looks like the one of the lesser units we've seen from Phil Parker in recent years. They had a pick six, but, I mean, this Iowa State offense played more of a role in that total than anything. That pick then, six, by the way, wait, wait, really quick, that pick six, by the way, like wasn't even close. No. Like floated it, out into the flat and <laughs> was like a walk-in interception. Like it, it, you, he, it was you or I are making Iowa. that play. It, it was terrible. It was like a 30-yard <laughs> pick six, but like literally throwing like a, like a lollipop to the left. Easy pick six. So I agree with you. The quarterback plays a problem, but continue. Well, I, I would also like to say that you warned me about the Iowa Iowa State under and said, you know, a pick six changes this. It didn't change it. It still went under. It, it, it was back. It was factored into the handicap. Still good <laughs> with the pick six. That was factored in. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh man! But then you look at this Ohio defense that has actually played pretty well this season. They held San Diego State pretty low to, to low total in uh, week zero, and then last week they took on a Tom Herman offense with an FAU team that. You know, it's still rebuilding a little bit with Tom Herman, but a Tom Herman offense is still going to be well-designed. And they held him to 10 points last week. And so you get the Bobcats at home. You have the better quarterback, better offense. And honestly, I think the bet, like at least comparable talent to Iowa State, I have no idea why this Ohio team is a home dog to this Iowa State team that I think is absolutely terrible. I've seen a lot of cases for Iowa state that defense is still really strong. And this is finally a spot where like, they're going to have like, or not finally, but they're going to have like a perceived talent advantage. I agree with you though. I'm on the Ohio side. I think maybe Curtis Rourke still working his way back. I mean, that game against FAU had a weather delay. It was a little sloppy Um, defensive struggle. I mean, FAU's only touchdown though was a pick six from Rourke. So um, I think this Ohio defense may be taking a further step up than we expected Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Ohio has the skill position advantage with Bangura at running back with Wiglaws on the outside. Hopefully he's healthy. Uh, I agree with you, especially low total. I believe it's like 42 and a half. Give me the home oh, dog yeah. catching over a field goal. They could lose by three and we're good. So, yeah, which I think absolutely. in a low total game, very, very possible that this is a uh, three and a half. So I, I, I think, uh, or very possible it lands on three. So I completely agree with you on this play. So Cody, before I get us out of here, let's recap those picks. Let's go back through the slate and see what we're taking. Um, again, Cody, 10 and nine on the year. I'm eight and 11. Got to wear, got to wear that you're behind, but uh, you know, let's do it. So Cody, where are you going this week? So for the fr- Thursday, Friday slate, I've got army UTSA under 45 uh, sec pick of the week. I have the South Carolina team total under 13 and a half against Georgia uh, ranked team. I'm taking even in the weather, Florida state minus 26 and a half at Boston college. Late night, we're looking for points with Kansas team total over 43 and a half. Upset alert, give me the toppers, the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, uh, plus 29 and a half in Columbus against Ohio State, plus 2,000 on the money line if you want to get real frisky with it. And then Sicko's pick, like we just talked about, Ohio plus three and a half against Iowa State. I love it. Agree with a lot there. Uh, for me, my early week peak pick is going to be Maryland minus 14 and a half, Georgia Tech plus 19 against SEC foe Ole Miss. Uh, I'm going to take the Colorado, Colorado State over 59 with the number 18 ranked Buffs. I'm going to take the over there. Late night game, I'm going to take Arizona team total over 37 and a half. Upset alert, I'll go Florida plus six and a half against Tennessee. Make Joe Milton prove it to you. And then my sickos pick, just like last week, UAB, Louisiana, over 59 and a half. There are your picks for this week. Again, until Sunday, This promo is available as well. Make sure 
you sign up with points bet sportsbook new users can sign up and place a 50 dollars bet to get any jersey you want from fanatics.com even that first bet loses doesn't matter you're still able to get an nfl or college jersey this is running until sunday so make sure you either scan the barcode on the bottom right or use the website link bit.ly forward slash fs jersey that will get you into um, this promo. That'll make sure you opt in. The offer is available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in valid gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Much more info in the episode description below. Cody, great show as always, man. Hopefully I could catch up to you in uh, the standings here in this little pick extravaganza. But until then, I'll talk to you next Wednesday on Stacking the Box College Football. We'll see you then. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.